Welcome to episode four of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today we are going to chat about the Holy Spirit. Honestly, I find him the most mysterious of the three parts of the Holy Trinity. In preparing for this episode, I actually ended up looking up a lot of different scripture about him. And he appears in both the Old Testament and the New Testament as the third member of the Trinity. So we're going to be jumping around the Bible quite a bit today. We're going to paint a broader picture of the Holy Spirit, who he is. And preparing for this actually taught me a ton about the Holy Spirit. There is so much more scripture about him than I actually realized. So we're going to barely scratch the surface here today. Once again, we are going to just provide an overview, a survey, because the Holy Spirit is someone we're going to continue to get to know throughout our entire life and our entire pursuit of learning more about our faith and growing in our faith. Let's go ahead and get started. Hey, Millennial. Welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate creator and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. Let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to the women who are listening to this podcast right now. Thank you that you can use flawed human beings such as myself to deliver your message and uh, to bring your people closer to you. I pray that the Holy Spirit would move within me and speak through me, that I might clearly communicate and accurately communicate more about who he is and that we would all gain a deeper understanding. Thank you that you've given us so much information about him through scripture, and I pray that all of the different verses that I bring up today would enable people and myself to really understand more of who he is and to see him for who he is. Thank you, Lord, so much for this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The way I'm going to organize this today is first discussing a little bit about how the Holy Spirit appears in the Old Testament, and then also going into the New Testament references to the Holy Spirit and going into what Jesus said about him and how he arrived and changed the lives of the believers in the book of Acts. I feel like I say the word Acts weird. Just go with it, people. (laughs) So how he shows up in the book of Acts in an incredible way that is very memorable. And then we're going to go ahead and talk about the reality of living with the Holy Spirit within us. Beginning with the Old Testament, here's just a couple of highlights. The earliest mention I could find of the Holy Spirit was actually in Genesis 1-2, and Genesis is the first book of the Bible. So in the first chapter of the first book, in the second verse, there is a mention 
Now, when I was looking into this verse and trying to understand it better, there was some controversy over whether this verse does refer to the Holy Spirit or whether something got lost in the translation and it actually is a reference to something else. But most Bibles do translate it to the Spirit of God, which would be the Holy Spirit. So I just wanted to mention that. This verse says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's verse one. Verse two, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So there's the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God there at creation. I like this mention of the spirit of God hovering over the surface of the waters. It's really interesting. Just something I was noticing when I was looking up different verses about the Holy Spirit is that a lot of times he's kind of described as hovering or covering over or dwelling. It's interesting language, and I don't really quite know what to make of that other than I don't think the Holy Spirit can be compared to anything that we really experience on a daily basis. <laughs> we can't see the Holy Spirit, and but we can feel the Holy Spirit and sense the Holy Spirit. He hovers, he's near the Holy Spirit is a presence. Okay, the next Old Testament reference I wanted to bring up was Numbers 11. I'm going to go ahead and let you read it. You can read the whole chapter. It's pretty interesting. I'll just kind of summarize it here. But the Holy Spirit comes upon the elders of Israel because the Israelites are complaining about food. Of course, they're given manna to eat. They want meat to eat instead. God had provided them manna. They, they weren't satisfied with that. And so they're complaining. And Moses honestly is just kind of tired of dealing with his people at that point and is desiring help in, in leading his people. And so God ends up giving him elders that will help support him in his leadership. And they're given the Holy Spirit and they start prophesying, which is really interesting. So the Holy Spirit is definitely present and active in the Old Testament. Another evidence of this is with King David and King David's story is told mostly in Samuel first and second Samuel. And David also wrote quite a few of the Psalms. The Psalms are about midway through the Bible. And a lot of them were written by David and a lot of them, he kind of is struggling a bit. So if you're ever feeling discouraged, I highly recommend that you read the Psalms. They're very encouraging and very human. In Psalm 51, David is talking about the Holy Spirit. He is repenting from his sin. It's one of his more infamous sins where he saw Bathsheba bathing and he wanted her. And so he had sex with Bathsheba. Then when she got pregnant, he wanted to cover it up and he had like a whole plot to cover it up so that no one would know that he had committed adultery. And so he has this whole plot to cover it up. It doesn't work out. And then basically he decides to kind of solve this problem that he's going to kill Bathsheba's husband by sending him to the front lines of war. And after this happens, David writes Psalm 51. In this Psalm, he asks God not to take the Holy Spirit away from him which is pretty interesting because the Holy Spirit was actually taken away from David's predecessor, King Saul. And that's described in Samuel. So you can look that up if you're interested. This is Psalm 51 verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore to me the joy of salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Clearly, David was given the Holy Spirit that is also described in Samuel, and he doesn't want the Holy Spirit to be taken away from him. And so I do notice as I was looking through examples of the, the, of the Holy Spirit working in the Old Testament, that a lot of times the Holy Spirit was given to leaders of Israel. The last verse I want to mention from the Old Testament comes from Isaiah 11. It describes a prophecy where the Holy Spirit is going to rest on Jesus. In the beginning of this excerpt, which is verses 1 and 2, it says, out of the stump of David's family, Just know that it's talking about Jesus there. Jesus was a descendant of King David. Isaiah 11 verse 1. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. We see from this that the Holy Spirit rests upon or hovers over. Again, I want to kind of point that out. It's interesting language. The Holy Spirit also is described as bringing wisdom and understanding. That's also described later in the New Testament as a gift of the Spirit, that he can bring wisdom and understanding. That might be a a spiritual gift you have. The Holy Spirit also brings counsel and might. So strength and wisdom and wise counsel, all of that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit can often give us wisdom in situations where we have no idea what to do or we thought we knew what to do, but really we were wrong. (laughs) And so the Holy Spirit can kind of correct us and redirect our paths. And sometimes the Holy Spirit even speaks through us to other people to give them wisdom or to speak wisdom to ourselves. Or you might have had someone else speak wisdom to you or have knowledge of you that they shouldn't have had and the Holy Spirit might have given them that. In the last part of verse two, it says the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And I do want to mention here the fear of the Lord. Um, In Strong's Concordance, the word fear that's used here is described as actually a word that means more reverence for God than being afraid of God. So it's not like, oh, I'm so scared of God. It's actually, no, I have respect, reverence, true reverence for God, to sit in awe and wonder of him, to revere him. The Holy Spirit can give us that ability. Moving along to the New Testament, again, we're going to do a few highlights. There is a lot of scripture, as it turns out, on the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Let's begin with the Holy Spirit as the third member of the Trinity, When I really sat down to think about it, I did not know how we came to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit was the third member of the Trinity. The Trinity, all members are God. So we have God the Father, we have God the Son, which is Jesus, and then the third member is the Holy Spirit. How do we know for sure that the Holy Spirit is actually the third member of the Trinity? How do we know he's God? This led me to Matthew 28 which is Jesus talking to his disciples. It's a very famous section because it also is where Jesus gives the Great Commission, which is giving his disciples, his followers, their 
purpose on earth, what they are to do now that Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. I should mention really quick before I quote it that Jesus had already died and been resurrected by this point, and he's about to be ascended. Verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Great Commission, then, is that the followers, disciples of Jesus, are to go and make disciples of all nations, and then to baptize them in the name of who? In the name of God. God in three parts. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus puts them on this equal playing field here, and you wouldn't baptize someone in the name of someone who's not God. (laughs) So this here affirms that the Holy Spirit is on the level of the Son and the Father and is in fact also God. Speaking of Jesus, the Holy Spirit also conceived Jesus in Mary's womb. So Mary was a virgin. She had never had sex before. And when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told Mary she was going to give birth to a son and that he was going to be the savior of the world, she said, how is that going to happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel Gabriel says, Luke 1, verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. So here we see that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and conceive Jesus. (laughs) And again, this kind of interesting language, before it was talking about hovering, now it's saying the the Most High will overshadow you. And we also see that when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings the power of the Most High, which is God. So the Holy Spirit clearly displays the power of God and is in fact God and is able to actually conceive a baby when biologically (laughs) there shouldn't have been a baby. He's able to go and move beyond that. He's not bound by human limits. Now in John 1, the Holy Spirit rests on Jesus. So a lot of these verses I've been mentioning talk about the connection between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that again here. I know the book is called John, Um, It's actually called John because it was written by Jesus's disciple, John. There's another John called John the Baptist who came before Jesus and was kind of preparing the way for Jesus. He was telling people to get ready for the Messiah to come. And he is the John that they're talking about in this passage. So it's not John the disciple, it's John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is called John the Baptist because he was baptizing people with water. In John 1 verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, 
I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. Him meaning Jesus. Verse 33, I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God, which means he's the Messiah, he's the Christ, he's the Savior. We see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, that imagery of him resting or like hovering upon Jesus. And this indicates for us that Jesus is the chosen one, which is what John is testifying to here. You'll notice that this is similar to Isaiah 11, which I just talked about a few minutes ago, where it says that the Holy Spirit would rest on Jesus. So Isaiah 11 verse 2 said, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So that's that connection there. It's the fulfillment of that prophecy. In John 14, Jesus talks to his disciples about the Holy Spirit coming after Jesus dies. So he says in John 14, 15, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Skipping down to verse 23, Jesus is replying to his disciple Judas, not Judas Iscariot, the one who betrays him, a different Judas. He says, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. We see here that the Holy Spirit is our Advocate. I mentioned in episode two of this podcast when we were talking about Jesus that Jesus is our Advocate. I talked about that more again in episode three, which was going through the gospel and how it changes our lives that Jesus is our advocate. And it also says here that the Holy Spirit is as well. Some versions of the Bible translate advocate in this section to helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. How does he help us? Well, he helps the followers of Jesus by living in us. It says in verse 16 that he will never leave us. And in verse 17, that he will be in us, the followers of Jesus. He also helps us by being our teacher. It says there in verse 26, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told, I have told you. He reminds us of the teachings of Jesus. So you know, it's the Holy Spirit working and living within you when you are being taught truth and when you are being reminded of the things Jesus has taught, the things Jesus has said, it is not the Holy Spirit if the words do not align with the teachings of Jesus. That is one way to discern whether you are hearing from the Holy Spirit or whether you are not. Two chapters later in John 16, Jesus talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, so here's the approach. When is the Holy Spirit going to come? In verse 5, But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. I know that was a big section. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit so much here. He talks about how once Jesus ascends to the Father after he's resurrected, that the Holy Spirit will come and he will be there with the believers. The Holy Spirit is also here to actually convict us of our sin, to convict the world of its sin, and also to convict us of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Our sin is that we don't believe in Jesus and that we do things contrary and destructive to him into our relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is going to guide us in truth. It says that in verse 13. He will guide us into all truth. He will tell you about the future. He will be able to give prophecy uh, as a gift. If you've ever been around someone who's able to actually prophesy, maybe they know something about the future or about a specific person or even about you or about themselves, they might have the gift of prophecy. And that is a gift of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows about the future and in his wisdom, he knows when to tell people and who to tell. And that's one of the gifts you can have. Everything the Holy Spirit tells you, again, it's going to be in line with the words of Jesus. (laughs) Okay. So if we're hearing weird things that don't sound like Jesus or that completely go against what Jesus has said, such as, oh, the Holy Spirit's telling me to treat this person poorly. Well, Jesus told us to love our neighbor, so that's probably not coming from the Holy Spirit, okay? So that's kind of how you can sift through whether the things that you are hearing are from the Holy Spirit or not. The Holy Spirit is also a gift from God. In Acts 1, Jesus is, again with the Acts, um, Jesus is again talking to his disciples and he's about to ascend to heaven. And he says in verse 4, once when he was eating with them, this is Jesus. He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? What does that look like? We've got to read Acts 2 and see this come to fruition. Jesus, by this point, has already ascended. He has already gone to be with the father The Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2. It's called Pentecost. He comes to the believers and he is so powerful and he gives special abilities to the followers of Jesus that they would not otherwise have. 
you're going to see it here. I'm going to read from two different parts of Acts 2. So in verse 2, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in another language, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in their own native languages. And then it goes on to list a bunch of places that they're from that are hard for me to pronounce. So I'm going to skip it. Verse 11. We all hear these people speaking in their own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Now, Peter's sermon continues to go on. I'm going to stop there because we're just focusing on the Holy Spirit here. But we see clearly that the Holy Spirit comes on believers He comes to the believers. He enters the believers. He's powerful. He gives them special abilities that they should not have. They should not be able to speak each other's languages, but they are. He gives them the gift of what's called tongues so that they can actually speak to one another. And they're also able to understand one another. And notice that they use this to praise God. It says they talk about the wonderful things God has done. And this was predicted long ago in Joel. Okay, a few more things I want to point out. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12. The Holy Spirit gives us special gifts to serve God. So this goes in line with what we're talking about in Acts 2 when the disciples received the Holy Spirit. We're not going to mention all the different specific gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. If you want to learn more about that, it's all throughout the New Testament, but especially in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a lot of gifts that are going to be mentioned. And I believe it goes into 1 Corinthians 13 as well. So 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. So here we know that the Holy Spirit actually gives different gifts to different people. So some people 
you know, have the gift of teaching or wisdom or tongues or whatever the, the case may be. Now we know that if someone is cursing Jesus, they're not speaking by the Holy Spirit. So again, that's your test to know if it's the Spirit of God speaking through someone or not. But if someone is praising Jesus and saying that he's Lord, you know that that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And we are given these spiritual gifts. Why are we given these gifts? We are given these gifts to specifically serve God in the way that we are individually called to serve God. He has a purpose for your life that will be fulfilled using these gifts. All right, last one. Galatians 5, uh, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Then a bunch of sins are listed. I'm going to skip those. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So how do we know that the Holy Spirit is guiding and leading our lives? There's evidence of his presence. There's fruit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things show up when the Holy Spirit is living and active within us. He's leading our lives. He's guiding us. He's so accessible to us. Just to summarize, the Holy Spirit is living and active. He lived in the Old Testament and he lives in the New Testament and he lives now. He's the third member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts that we use to serve God. He enters into believers He affirms the word of Jesus and leads us into wisdom. He also convicts us of our sins and leads us to repentance. He brings about fruit in our lives and gives us the gifts that we need to serve God. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. God, thank you for this time where we get to learn more about the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you give us so much evidence in scripture that we can learn more about him and that we can learn more about the Trinity and and the relationship between you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would help us to lean into the gifts you have given us through the Holy Spirit and that we would see the evidence of uh, his fruit in our lives. And I pray that every woman here would be able to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit living and active and affirming the words of Jesus within them. Guide us, Lord. Thank you so much for all the gifts that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.